very busy weekend of MLS action. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly, as always, Ivis Galarsep. What's up, buddy? How you doing, man? I'm, uh, I'm doing good. I'm a little tired. Got in late last night from California, but uh, but I woke up and uh, ready to do the show today, man. Yeah, I think it was a I think it was a rough weekend for everybody. Uh, we uh, I was down in Philly uh, for the Union Seattle game on Saturday, and obviously it's Cinco de Mayo weekend. So since you know you got to take advantage, so went out with some friends. Had a pretty good time. Uh, I can't really remember all of it, but uh, let's just say it was good times were had by all. Good. I'm glad, Ivis. Yeah, you know, you gotta you gotta have gotta have a little fun every now and then. Can't be all work and no play. That's true. That's true. See, me, I refuse to celebrate Cinco de Mayo because one, it's not an even American holiday. Two, it's not even one of the bigger Mexican national holidays. So for me, Cinco de Mayo it- is the stupidest day in the world. Well, it really isn't even like a real Mexican holiday. It's, no, it's, it's not. like a holiday like created by corporations, from what, what I understand. Is. But I, I wasn't. Trust me, we weren't. <laughs> I wasn't really celebrating that. No, no, um, no, no. I know. I'm, but, I'm, I'm not. I'm it not. just happens to be a weekend that everyone wants to party just a little bit more. No, exactly. I'm not dogging on you for that. I just think it's if you asked if you asked people, I think 99 percent of people would have no idea what it is. And for people who are like, oh, let's think of the Mayo, it was a big battle. It was. I mean, it was, it was a big battle in Mexico that the Me- that the Mexican military won. I mean, that's that's pretty much what it is, and and that's the Cinco de Mayo. It's not their Independence Day. A lot of people think that. This is your SBI Mexican history well, moment. Well, it bothers me. I'm from Arizona, so like I know the Mexican history pretty well, and like it's just like I just. Uh... I'm gonna start singing the Mexican anthem right now for you. I saying, feel like I know it by saying, heart I'm after all saying, the U.S. I'm, Mexico I, games I, that I, I've been to. I'm just saying. I just get worked up. All right, Ivis. I had a great weekend. Actually, I was at the uh, Home Depot Center. I lo- the facilities out there are amazing. So I had a chance to geek out and walk around over there earlier uh, on Sunday. But, I was, like I said, very busy show today. Americans abroad, tons, tons, and tons of news to talk about, uh, especially positional standing for Champions League, Europa spots. There are a lot of guys who are um, it's coming down to these final games here. And it's funny when you look at their schedules. Uh, a lot of the teams, they could really help them out. We're going to go into more in-depth about that. Uh, but let's start off with, like we said, with the MLS news. New York Red Bulls defeating the Columbus Crew 1-0. to Luis Robles coming up huge with a PK save, which then led to a Tim Cahill goal in the 80th minute. And uh, the New York Red Bull continuing to win. That's a three-game winning streak for them now. That's four and five games for them. And uh, I guess the uh, goalkeeping controversy is over. Ah, uh, come on now. You know, one game doesn't change change things that much. Uh, that being said, you have to give Luis Robles credit. I mean, obviously, there, there was a lot of a lot of talk after the last game about just how how shaky he's been and how much longer he'd keep the job, and and maybe that that motivated him. Maybe just realizing that you know, if he loses the job, he might never get it back. So, you know, he picked a great time to come out and have a strong game, and and it really is a a, a important win for the Red Bulls. Uh, because you know Columbus is a solid team. They, mm-hmm. they they had a winning record going into that game, and uh, to win to beat a good team and to beat them on the road, I mean that that right there is a serious con- confidence booster for a Red Bulls team that hadn't beaten a top team or a, or even a good team yet this season. Well, okay, Let, let's let's talk about Robles here. What, what do you take from his performance? I mean, he came up big with that PK save, but then. Uh, a couple minutes later, Higuain had that uh, free kick that he barely pushed out of bounds. Is, is he still the keeper going forward? or I mean, Ryan Mira, who played in that reserve game, is he back in there? What, what do you think is going to happen? Well, I mean, yes. I mean, it wasn't a, it wasn't a completely perfect and beautiful performance from Robles, but he made a lot of, a lot of big plays. Um, so, I mean, I think he keeps a job for now, but I think if and when Ryan Mira is, is back 100%, I think Ryan Mir is a better goalkeeper than Luis Robles, and I and I think he should take the job, should take over the job. But I mean, that's a big it's a big if though. Just where he stands after having had hip surgery, and having had so much time off, just how long he'll need uh, to get back to full sharpness. And uh, I mean, I think that is going to buy Robles some time. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, but that being said, I don't know if this game alone it, it does enough to help him hold off Mira. I think I think Mira is still a pretty good bet. When he's 100 percent to to get the starting job, um, the crew had, had tons of. Pro- oh, first off, first off, Roy Miller did not go into the uh, into the box of the PK, so that's good news. 
<laughs> he's I, learning. I was, he's like, it's a new Roy I, Miller. I, I, I thought I mean, of he that made, one. You know, he made SBI team of the month, uh, best 11 for April. He's on a great run. And, uh, you know, maybe this, this second chance, you got to give Mike Pecky credit. that it's, it's We're slowly working out. You know, and I think for the crew, this is a, this is a classic game of if you don't finish, you're, you're, you're going to, you know, allow the other team to hang around long enough to maybe sneak out that goal. And that's what they did. I mean, because when you watch this game, I mean, Arietta and Higuain, they looked Really good in this game. The crew kept attacking, pushing forward, getting chances, but they just couldn't convert. And, and I think that's what killed them in the end was that they couldn't get that opening goal. I mean, especially in the first 20, 30 minutes of the game, it really looked like the crew were going to be able to, to punch one away and kind of run away with the result. Right. I mean, you know, they, they, their attack has, has done well in recent weeks uh, to find that goal, to get on the board. And, uh, you know, this time around, obviously, they weren't able to. And you have to give the Red Bull some credit. Uh, their defense some credit for for standing up and and putting in a performance like that. Especially, I mean, on the road they they haven't had the best uh, track record. Although now, when you look at it, I mean, they beat Toronto and Toronto. Not that that's the the biggest achievement in the world, but it's still you know it's building momentum for them. And 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 eventually the the tougher tougher opponents, the top end opponents, are going to come back on the schedule, and and they're going in. They're going to go into those matches with momentum, and uh, and now here they are. In a, uh, they're tied for first in the East, even though it's a four way tie with mm. uh, Montreal, Kansas City, uh, and Houston. But yeah, they have more games they played already than the the other teams, so they're behind. But uh, but right now they're riding pretty high, and now they go to New England next week. A you know very winnable game, and then when, but tell you what, Wednesday Wednesday night is a big one for them. They play Montreal, a strong team, uh, a, cha- a chance to, de- to deliver another statement victory. And, and they're at home, so, I mean, you know, they, they've been pretty solid at home. So uh, very curious to see how they, how they match up against the impact. Uh, like you said earlier in the show, you were at this game, uh, Philadelphia and Seattle. It was in Philadelphia. Like you said again, I'm repeating myself. I'm an idiot. Um, my boy Danny Cruz with the brace. It was also Star Wars Day. I, I have a good source that told me that you were in costume at this, Ivis. <laughs> no, uh, I'm afraid not. I, uh, what did I wear? I don't even know what I wore. No, I just had a polo, black polo and, and some Jordans. That's all I had. I had no, uh, there was no Han Solo get up. There was no... Uh, I didn't, to be honest with you, I didn't see a ton of... I was a little disappointed. I didn't see a ton really? of... Uh, I, I personally didn't see a ton of Star Wars costumes. I'm sure there were people there dressed up but i uh i didn't see a ton of them although i will say i give a lot of credit to the the saunders fans that came to philly for that game i mean it's it's you know it's not it's not like it's unheard of to have away fans at games but when you make the cross-country trip and you're talking about whether it's close to 200 or 170 fans making that trip that's pretty impressive Mm -hmm. what do you you take from this game i mean the union scored like I said, t- very quickly. I mean, Danny Cruz got that one goal off of a, uh, the you know, b- ball squirted out. He picked it up, and then the second goal was was very nice, back to back, very quickly. Really caught the Seattle Sounders off guard, and uh, I mean, Seattle they they still look like they are just still trying to figure themselves out on, on the field. Well, I mean, you have to give credit to for the Union for for coming back. I mean, obviously, I think they started a little slowly. Uh, Seattle started out well, and then the Union kind of took over the game, but they didn't finish chances in the first half, and that, that ended up coming back to bite them because they really should have had a – they could have built up a pretty good lead there in the first half. Um, as far as just Seattle goes, I'm not, gonna, I'm not ready to, to take that result and say, oh, it, it shows anything about where they are because they were missing some key players. I mean, you're talking about Osvaldo Alonso, who is their most important player. I mean, he, he's their MVP. He's the key to their midfield. And he missed the game uh, because of the birth of, of of the child, of his child, uh, the day before. So you know, his the Ziggy Schmidt uh, let him stay, uh, you know, with, with his family, which is understandable, obviously. And they missed him, obviously. I mean, he his presence in the midfield, you just, you know, you can't make that up. I mean, when you're talking about a guy who's one of the best midfielders in the league, um, so you take him, you take Obafemi Martins, uh, you know, Steve Zakawani also wasn't there, uh, you know, so they, they they had quite a few absences. Shalvi Joseph. I said him already. Um, so they, you know, they were shorthanded. Um, and the, but credit to the Union. Union played well. They just didn't finish their chances, uh, and they had a few, you know, obviously a few lapses there defensively. And uh, you know, Zach McMath could definitely have done better on that that first goal, the Eddie Johnson goal. But I tell you what, the takeaway from this game is how it, 
really got out of control. Uh, the referee just really had an awful day. He didn't set the tone early. Things got really chippy, really physical. And it was just inevitable that that game was going to reach a boiling point, And it did in the second half when, when you're talking about three red cards. And, and it was just <laughs> it was one of the worst refereeing performances I've seen in a while. And that's saying something in MLS. Yeah, it was a uh, it, it was an interesting game, I guess. Well, I mean, it's it's a good one for Seattle because they get a point on the road uh, without Oswaldo Alonso. That's I mean, that's big. I mean, you know, because you figure you're missing your best player and some other key players. It's it's tough against a pretty good Union team, a Union team that's I think they're they're, they're showing some good signs. They're they're, they're uh, you know they're coming along well. Um, but again, they are still, they're going to still make those young mistakes. They're still going to make those, uh, you know, cost themselves points here and there as they mature, as players don't have, you know, they're going to have their ups and downs. Jack McInerney, another example, obviously he was on fire a few weeks ago and now he's kind of hit a bit of a lull, uh, came out of the match a bit early. So, you know, it, it, that's going to come with it. I mean, no one should expect, you know, a 20 year old player to, all of a sudden be a goal a game guy and, and, and golden boot, like a true golden boot contender. I mean, that's, I, I feel like people are just wait, people are a little too quick to, to jump on bandwagons when it comes to that stuff. You know, you, sh- you really need to let young players develop, but I think that it's promising stuff from the union. I, I think that even though they, they will feel they should have gotten all three points. Uh, I think, I think they still have to come away feeling like, you know what, we played a pretty good team and, and we can, we can say we outplayed them and they could ar- argue that maybe they should have won if uh, the referee doesn't miss that, that clear handball in the area, uh, late in the game that, you know, if he makes that call, they probably win that game. Well, for the, uh, for Seattle, they're, uh, they're rewarded for their efforts with a midweek game at Sporting Kansas City. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, I cr- yeah. Even that's, I talked about this, this stretch for Seattle I mean, you, you, it's like we said, it's not enough to get, oh, if they lose all, you know, if they don't perform well, season's over. But it's it's enough to say that, like, okay, they, something needs, they need to start, they need to start winning here. They, they need to start picking up momentum more or they're going to be on the outside looking in. Right. I mean, we looked at the, you know, we talked about it the last show, that the, this stretch, this month of May is really a big one. I mean, they're, they're, you know, they need to pick up some points. I mean, no one's saying they need to run the table already, but... Um, you know, they do need to start picking up points. And, and the schedule makers did not do them any yeah. favors uh, having to go to the Kansas City uh, on the road. Kansas City's playing. You know, they've gotten their, their swagger back. They, you know, put put together a really strong win against Chivas USA. But I, I'll tell you what, maybe the rest that some guys got, you know, Alonzo getting some rest, and you know, Shari Joseph, Zakuani, Obafemi Martins. I'm not sure of those guys, which of, which of those guys will be in Kansas City. I mean, I know, I'm pretty sure that, that Alonzo will, but, uh, you know, I don't know if we should, we should write them off. I think that's going to be a good game, good game. And maybe Kansas city helps bring out the, the best in them. Yeah. It's, uh, Seattle's going to be shorthanded. It's good. That, that, that midweek game is going to be very tough for them. Um, LA Houston, the game last night, uh, lots of, uh, lots of, uh, uh talk that we're going to have to put after this show. Landon Donovan with the stutter step, PK, can we can we outlaw it from now on? I think it's so stupid. Just go up there and rip it into the net. Well, I'll tell you what. I think he's gonna. I don't think he's taking PKs anymore for the Galaxy. I think that's that. I think it's fair to say. Um, but I, you know what? That give you have to give some credit to the Houston Dynamo because I can't imagine anyone outside of Houston would have given them a chance to win this game or or would have thought that they would win this game when you think about how bad they've been on the road how bad they've been in recent weeks form-wise, and the fact that they're missing their their MVP, uh, Brad Davis, who was uh, suspended with the red card. So you took all those things together, you figure, oh, the Galaxy are going to roll, they're going to steamroll them. But no, that's not what happened. Houston's, Houston's defense really stepped up, really shut down the Galaxy. And to be fair to LA, I mean, they don't have Robbie Keane back, and he is really clearly their best player, their most important player. Um, but the Galaxy still had enough weapons to 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 be able to you know they should have been able to find a goal and they didn't and you have to you really have to give the dynamo credit for that um a lot of discussion afterwards about the uh because we saw this in two games now it's it's funny of course it's of course that happens in mls is where it's like when things happen they're always they always happen multiple times um dan kennedy we'll, we'll talk about chivas here in a little bit uh i mean he got a red card for what he did and he came out and uh 
Tally Hawk also came out against Villarreal. I mean, he did not get a red card, but uh, I mean, what, what was your assessment of that? I mean, was it justified? Did he reserve a red card? I mean, for, for there's a lot of discussion I noticed all day yesterday between people. What's a red card? What's a yellow? I mean, maybe you can help define what that is for us. Well, I, I mean, a red card in that in that situation, it has to be a clear goal scoring opportunity, and he needs to be the last man. Uh, and he need, and he was neither of those things applied. I, I felt to that that play because uh, at the point of the foul, you had Houston defenders back, re, you know, retreating. Bobby Boswell was in position. I think it might have been Sarkozy was also in position. So even if even if Tally Hall had whiffed on Villarreal and Villarreal had gone past him, there were defenders in the way still to deal with Villarreal. So you had that point. And and, uh, and also you had the fact that Villarreal was going away from the goal at mm-hmm. the point of his of, of the foul where he was kind of you know trying to get away from Hall and he was going away from the net away from the net. So for me, uh, I was a little surprised that there was no yellow. Uh, but you know the whole question of oh that should be a straight red. No, I, I don't. I disagree. I don't think that should have been a straight red. Uh, okay, like we just said, we, we talked about this game. Sporting Kansas City laid some wood. On Chivas USA, four to zero. Tally Hall, like we said, I'm sorry, not Tally Hall. Oops, Dan Kennedy uh, got a red card in that game, and uh, I mean that this one is even more controversial because everyone's it was soft. For, personally, for me, it was soft. But but the thing is, if a goalkeeper is going to come out in that situation, 99.9 percent of the time, it's going to be a PK slash a red card when he's the last guy going into the box like that. And I mean, Dan Kennedy came out, he missed it. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, everyone who's complaining and bitching about it, it's a red card, PK, move on. He, he missed, and, and, and I mean, 99.9% of the time, it's going to be called there. And for Chivas, Ivis, they, they kind of just fell apart after that. And I mean, they, they really look like they're missing Agudelo out there. And that magic that Chelis had is clearly, uh, it's gone. It's gone. Just uh, like I don't know. I mean, they, they're going to have their ups and downs. I mean, let's face it. I mean, they threw that team together. Uh, at the beginning of the year, I mean, when you talk about the kind of overhaul they had, um, I, I can't, I can't imagine anyone would have thought it was going to be smooth sailing from day one, and they were just going to run, a, you know, be running away with the West or, or something. I mean, they 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 were going to have their growing pains. Um, they do obviously miss Agudelo. Uh, they need him back, but I, I think it. I think if anything, we're starting to to see the you know the question marks about the defense and about the structure and how and whether or not it, that can sustain success over the course of a full season um and whether or, may, or not maybe teams are figured have have figured the, figured them out or are figuring them out um they need they still need more talent i mean they they can't if they don't have cap room uh with based on the moves that they made um to go get some summer reinforcements and then something's wrong here because they absolutely should have cap room to go get some players and uh, they still need some help. I mean, they're not the finished product by any means. And uh, I think, you know, they need, you know, they need to turn around pretty quickly because uh, if they slip in, into a hole in the West, uh, they might not recover. Uh, but I think, you know, I don't know if it's panic mode time to get rid of Chelis time just yet. I think they're, they're struggling. I don't think anyone should be surprised. Um, and I'm curious to see what they do this summer. Well, Chivas USA, they had no shots in that game. You're right. They need to figure something out up top. Uh, for Sporting Kansas City, though, CJ Sapong scored, but of course he scored while he was uh, in the middle of the box as a <clears throat> center forward, not as a right winger. And speaking of right wingers, Kai Kamara's coming back, and that is outstanding news uh, for this team who's going to uh, have his services um, until the uh, transfer opens again, uh, I believe, in July. So we'll have him here for, what, maybe two and a half months in the summer before he could possibly move on again. But, hey, to have him for, for two and a half months is, you know, better than not having him at all. I think it'll be less than two months. And uh, I think I think it'll actually, it's pretty likely they're going to sell him. I mean, just, you know, talking to Peter Vermees a few weeks ago about it, you know, he, he made the point that there, there was definitely a good list of teams uh, that were interested in him, and 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 if the Norwich City thing didn't happen, they they were going to jump on it. Um, you know, you're talking about teams in the Premier League, mm-hmm. uh, teams in in France. Uh, it seems like you know, obviously the French league ha- had taken notice of, of his his performances in Norwich. So he he's a pretty hot commodity. Uh, I was a little surprised that Norwich didn't didn't uh, pull the trigger on the deal, uh, but that that helps Kansas City now because you know they get him back. He's he's obviously you know fit and in form you know he's been playing there in England so it's not going to be a case of him having to work his way back into shape I mean the guy's probably in better shape than, than most 
uh, most of the guys on the actual Kansas City team. So at this point, just for the, the number of games he's played, um, and, and he it, it's it's going to make for some interesting decisions for Peter Ramiz when you talk about their lineup. Um, I mean, I think he has to slot in on the right. Uh, then maybe you push Zussi centrally, and, and then you have to have some questions about the midfield, or unless you move Zussi to the left in a, in a four three three, which that's also a possibility. So uh, I think CJ Sapong could be the odd man out there. Um, I think if you know your your Vermees, you like you want to keep that midfield trio of you know Fail Haber, Nagamura, and Roselle together. Um, although maybe a Nag- uh, maybe a uh, you know Fail Haber, Zussi. Uh, Roselle trio would be uh, for me an interesting one to watch, but I mean those are some pretty good uh, good problems to have if you're Kansas City. Yeah, you're right. That, that's always a good problem when you have those issues. Um, San Jose, uh, clearly, Ivis, they're they're we, we can't put a fork in them. They did it again, coming back late. Um, your boy Adam Yon, who you, you keep raving about for his performances, he he grabbed a goal which really gave them light, and they scored one again later in stoppage time. And uh, for San Jose, it's just like it, when you when you see the headline and you and you see the match report and the highlights, it's like San Jose came back. You can't help but just kind of like shake your head and just kind of have like a, you know a laugh. You're just like, oh, of, of course they did. Yeah, I think at this point we we should just you know when we're getting the match reports ready to to write write those up. I mean, we should just have a template. Uh, a headline template: the earthquakes uh, rally back in second half. I mean, it happens every every game, and you, it, it, it's crazy. I mean, your teams have to know. Teams should know by now that the earthquakes, you know, they really turn it up in the second half. They they really press hard late in games for uh, for equalizers and game winners, and it's and it seems it's just inevitable. Every it's how many times this has happened now? It's crazy. Uh, if you're Montreal, you're, you're you're just shaking your head because you know you, you you felt you had three road points in the bag. Justin Mapp with two goals, and they're feeling great. And then San Jose comes right back, and Adam John, that's right, the guy. You know, I, I, I was the first on that bandwagon, and then I'm a proud member of it. The, the guy can play. He's uh, as a even though he's a rookie, he's certainly not playing like one. And uh, I, you know, if you're if I'm Frank Gallup, I you know. I don't know if I take him out of the lineup anytime soon, regardless of who comes back from suspension or not. You know, I think, you know, obviously Lenhart and, and Gordon were so such, you know, key parts of last year's success. But, I mean, let's face it, Jan has been great for them. And, uh, you know, he's coming along, coming along well. And uh, it, it, it's obviously great for competition and for death purposes. But, you know, I, I think you got to go. You got to stick with the kid and ride the hot hand. Oh, minus remove the controversies that Alan Gordon and Leonard have. I mean, having those two guys off the bench, though, I think a lot of teams would would love to have two guys like that that can provide you know immediate impact, physicality off the bench. And you know, San Jose uh, has a nice little four uh, four man rotation up there with forwards, and it just it definitely seems like they can plug players in. And it's just it's working out for them. Right. I mean, they're, they're, the results still aren't where they need to be for them. I mean, you you can't keep dropping points at home. I mean, it, it, it's interesting because, you know, these rallies, these late comebacks, you know, like like obviously against Portland, the, you know, the same thing. John, again, you know, Adam Yan with, with a, a late goal there. I mean, these are results that the way they're finishing, you know, those, that's what grabs the headlines like late draw, this, that, you know, late goal. But they're dropping points at home. And they've dropped quite a few points at home, and and eventually that comes back to haunt you. Um, that you know, in the end, and uh, you know, for for a team that was so strong at home last year, um, you know, there's some questions there about about you know, I know injuries were a key key issue early on for them. They they dealt with a lot of injuries and missing some really key players. But now that they've slowly but surely gotten guys back, you know, Beta Shores back, uh, Chavez, uh, you know, they 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 should be. I think for me, they should be playing better than they have been. And and that, that's not taking anything away from Montreal. Obviously, Montreal is a tough team. So if you're Frank Gallup, you, you you feel like okay, we got a point against a strong Montreal team after being down two 0 I can't be too upset about that. But at a certain point, you know, you can't keep dropping these points at home. Uh, well, for San Jose in the last five games, that's four points, all draws in the last five games. That's not going to cut it in the long run. Uh, Real Salt Lake went out and defeated Vancouver uh, two to zero. Uh, both goals on quick counterattacks, and Vancouver's defense on both those goals was just horrendous and embarrassing, and too much ball watching. And Vancouver, I don't know why this things. I just it's 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 going to be a long season. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I want to give a little credit to Salt Lake. I mean, it, it wasn't just Vancouver's ineptitude. I mean, you you have to give Jao Plata a little credit. I mean, especially the 
the way you were killing him uh, the last. No, I think it was the last true. show where you were just saying true. how he's no good. He can't that, oh, do anything. And here he is. He sets oh, up both goals. First so, off, uh, first off, let's talk about that, Garrett. I didn't. First off, I did not say that. All I said was I think Platt is a very good player. I just don't know if he's a full ninety minute guy. I mean, he had a great game this week, but is he a guy that can hold up all season long? I don't. I just think he's a really good guy to have come off the bench for the last thirty minutes of the game, uh, when players you know aren't as sharp on the ball or way too casual. You know, he just for me when you watch him play, he just seems like that player that can always find a way to give your team some spark of the life. That that's all I said. I, I first off, I think he's a fabulous player. I, I, I don't know, man. I, I think we have to go back. You we can go the, back and listen. We have to, to replay the, the video. We have to play, replay the audio. You can go back and listen to the tape. show. But anyway, I mean, listen, You know, he he. It wasn't the most beautiful game. I mean, let's be fair. Uh, it wasn't hit, hit the most perfect game from him. I mean, he had he obviously had a lot of kind of missed chances and, and poor passes, but he made plays when they needed them to be made. Uh, and, and that's you have to give him credit. You have to give him credit. You have to give uh, you know the the other two. You have to give the goal scorers credit in that game. Uh, but Vancouver, I mean, we, so we got to start asking some questions here. Um, here's the stat for you: uh, tw- in their past twenty mm-hmm. MLS games, the Whitecaps have won. Three games. Three games. That is ridiculous. I mean, let's, you know, it's funny how, how, how people have kind of forgotten the fact that Vancouver started last season really, really well. Yeah. Uh, they had a great first half of the season, and then Martin Rennie went out and started tinkering with the roster, uh, making some pretty big moves, and then, and then they completely collapsed in the second half of the season. Now you take that and you carry it over to this early part of this season, and, and once again, you know, they, they, they had those two wins, um, and, and you thought, oh, you know, they're, they're going to have another great start. But here they are again. They've kind of collapsed a bit, and now you have to start asking questions about Martin Rennie and, his, and, and what they're doing there, what the plan is there. Is there a long-term plan? Is there a, is there a now plan? I mean, the thing, things just aren't really clicking there, and you, and you really have to look at these results and ask yourself, like, are, what, you know, what, what are they in for this year? Is he going to be the first manager to go? I don't. I think that would be harsh. I think that would be uh, considering that they did get in the playoffs last year. Uh, I don't know if he gets the hook uh, in just his second season. Um, it's tough to tell, though. That you, you know the Vancouver leadership up there. You know you don't really have a track record to go by to say, okay, they're a team that that shows patience. They're a team that pulls the trigger quickly. Uh, so it's tough to say. But I mean, if they go on a pro- prolonged uh, losing skid or winless skid, uh, you know, into into the summer. I mean, I don't maybe I, I don't know if we should necessarily rule it out. I think for right now, though, I think he's still going to have a little more time to to work with his team and and try to figure things out. But I mean, yeah, three three wins in twenty. I mean, that's that's not acceptable in any in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, that's that's uh, not good. Uh, Colorado, we had an Edson Buttle sighting. He scored a uh, off of a. Uh, when 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 Logan Emroy was little too from from my view, I thought he was a little too casual on the ball. Makes a mistake, bottles right there, uh, pounces on it, scores. And for Colorado, with you know their fifty injuries that they have, they're just uh, I mean they're they just they're quietly having a very good season. Uh, absolutely, you know what? It, it's crazy. I mean, it, it's it's kind of it's like a movie script in a way. You know, where you have this team that you know coming into the year a lot wasn't expected of them to begin with. Yeah, and then, and then they lose a bunch of key players, and they somehow manage to ev- exceed expectations of even a healthy Colorado team. Uh, you have to give Oscar Pereja a lot of credit, and uh, you have to give obviously, you know, when you talk about guys like Clint Irwin and uh, Dylan Powers, you know, who've really been key to to them, kind of just maintaining some continuity, maintaining a good level of play despite losing player after player. To injury, um, you know TFC man, I, I, they, they're struggling. I mean, and it's when you give up that many late goals, at a certain point it has to mess with your psyche. And at a certain point, uh, you're wasting good good soccer in the sense that Toronto played so many games where they played well enough to win or, or well enough to get a point, mm-hmm. and, and then they just at the end of these matches they're giving points away. And and you know what? When you do that long enough. At a certain point, your form, your overall form is going to dip because everyone's does. No, no team in MLS kills it for thirty-four games. You know, you have your ups and downs, your swings, and and now Toronto wasted what was, in terms of form, was probably a pretty good run for them, but they wasted it with blown, blown leads and late 
blunders. And now, you know, they come into this game against Colorado and just don't really bring it at all. And now, now that now they're flat, and now you wonder: are they gonna? Are they really gonna hit a bad slump? How's Ryan Nelson gonna deal with this? Obviously, first year coach. He's gonna, you know, I'm sure as a player he's been through that, uh, but now he has to manage that on the coaching side. Uh, and, and you wonder, you know, what's going to happen? Is it going to? Are they going to fall apart? Um, though to be fair, they they, they have you know the, their DP come in Laba. You want to see how he does? And uh, it's been it's clear that Toronto's going to make some big moves this summer. So um, I don't know if anyone should just assume they're going to be turn around and be as bad as they were last year. But I think they're in danger right now of going on a pretty long slump. At the end of the season, who who finishes better, Colorado or Toronto? Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, I'd say Colorado. You know why? Because I think all these players who have been forced into into key roles, all these players who have stepped in for the injured players, are gaining confidence and are going to give them some serious depth once we have, uh, you know, their their injured players come back healthy. I mean, I think that's, you know, when you go into the summer and you have a bench filled with guys who've already played a good a good number of games and have already had success. Uh, I, I think it's going to give Oscar Pereja some some really good uh, really good ammo uh, to get to battle through the summer months. Uh, I, you know, I, I still do. I think they're a playoff team. I think that one's a little tough. You know, I think in the West, you know, as much as some other teams are, are underperforming, when you talk about a team like Seattle, uh, you know, a team like San Jose, and a team like Salt Lake, you know, all three of those teams have kind of underachieved. Uh, you know, even with that, I still think I I, I don't know if I can see Colorado. Um, necessarily finishing ahead of those teams, but if they do, I don't think anyone should be surprised because they, you know, they, they, they've shown that they've shown some real quality. They've shown some real character in these games, and uh, you know, they, they've had some younger players step up. That you know, I, I said going into the season that Colorado was a team you wanted to watch in 2014 because of the young players that they have, and and I think I thought next year would really be the year for them to break out. And I think, if anything, they've really pushed that schedule up because of the minutes these young players are, pl- are getting. Well, I guess this is the uh, the first time of a couple of instances this will occur on the show when we have to make some uh, picks for the, for the games coming up because there is a uh, full slate of games on Wednesday night. Oh, this is uh, – yeah, I, I tell you what, it's it's a big, big – schedule mid midweek schedule and it's also a big week in fantasy mls as owners scramble to try to r- load up on players who are playing multiple games this week what's your fantasy team name uh it's nothing fancy it's uh sbi united oh come on you're you're, cl- you're more clever than that i don't know i'm just uh, I, I don't know i, I don't, I don't want to get too crazy about it yeah mine are usually very immature um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, and you can't say them now. Okay. I, you know, I'm thinking of some of them right now off the top of my head, and uh, they they are not repeatable for this show. Um, let's make some uh, let's make some picks, Ivis. Quickly, let's go over these games before we get into the Americans abroad. Uh, don't need to break these down too much since we talked about some of the performances this past week. Uh, DC did not play this weekend, but they're going to be taking on Houston. Um, uh, let's uh, who who you got in that game? Is that the midweek game? Yeah, this it is. Yes, it is. I'll tell you what, Houston, you know, they, they look so good uh, beating L.A., but for them to have to cr- do the cross-country cr- cross trip uh, and then to play a rested D.C. team, I mean, it, I'm sorry. I don't know if I can see them pulling that one off. I mean, as bad as D.C. has been, I, I really think they're going to come out and and really uh, put in a put in a good performance, and they have to. I mean, listen, if you can't beat a tired Houston team on short rest, having traveled across the country, and you are just coming off a bye week, then right, you know what? Pack it up. Playoffs aren't happening. It's time to you know it's time it's time to plan for twenty fourteen if you're DC. But having said that, I think DC gets it done. I know Houston has had their struggles in at RFK in the past. Um, so, uh, you know, I think DC, uh, rebounds a little bit and, and, and they, they pull out a win on that one. Really? Yeah. I mean, I, it, well, I just laid it out for you. It's really tough. <laughs> it's really tough for teams to, to, to endure that kind of travel. I mean, when you, and, and it, I mean, it's really short rest. I mean, they, we're talking 11 PM Eastern time kickoff on Sunday and then play that game and then have to travel all the way across the country. We saw it with Kansas City when they had to do the same same thing, and they went to LA and looked awful. I think Houston's gonna. I think that's you know as much as having Brad Davis back will help them 
and maybe that's why they won't lose. Mm. But I think for me, I, I I have to believe Ben Olsen with this week week off has had a chance to really uh, lay into his team and really try some things out and see and see if he could find a form a, a formula to pull out a win. And I think it's desperation time in DC for those for for, for those players to to you know keep their spots. And I think they're going to come out and win. All right, I have this next game: New York versus Impact. Who you got? Tough one. Much Montreal's a good team, but you know what? They're they're much better at home. The Red Bulls are are definitely better at home. I'm gonna have to go Red Bulls two to one in that one. I'll go with the Red Bulls too. New England RSL. I'll go with uh I'll go with RSL in this game for obvious reasons. Well, you're on the payroll. <laughs> which I'm not no, I'll which, tell you what, I, which I am not. I'll go New England. I think you know they're they're tough at home. Uh, the, their defense, uh, I know, has had had you know some injury issues. Uh, I I don't know if AJ Swords is going to be back yet. If he's back, that'll definitely help them. Um, but I just think going there, playing on, on the turf, uh, I think RSL is going to have a bit of a tough time. Uh, I could definitely see a draw, but I'll go Revs. I'll say the Revs will win that one. Uh, Sporting Kansas City, Seattle. I'm going to take Sporting Kansas City. Seattle will lose this one. Uh, I have to agree with you. I think Kansas City's you know at home. Really confident off of the win on the weekend. I think Seattle, they'll be tired after a physical game with the Union. Uh, DeAndre Yedlin suspended. Uh, that 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 won't help. Um, I think having Alonso back will help, but I still don't think that's going to be enough. I think Kansas City wins that one. Uh, Dallas versus Portland. Uh, I'm going to say a draw on this one. Uh, that's, that's a tough one. I'll tell you what, that's Portland, a- with their issues at center back, uh, I think it's going to be an issue. Uh, it's going to be a good game. I think it's going to be a great battle in the midfield. Um, but I think the I think Blas Perez makes the difference in that one. I think he finds a way to to punish their defense and their back four, who are missing obviously are missing Mikhail Silvest, who's who's suffered a torn ACL last week. He's out for I guess well six to nine months. So sounds you know sounds like it's pretty much the season. Um, but so without him, I think they're I think Portland will struggle to deal with uh, Dallas's attack. And in the final midweek game, San Jose, Toronto, San Jose's home. I will take San Jose at home. Yeah, Toronto's playing really badly. I think San Jose, after another comeback, is going to be feeling pretty good in that, going into that game. Uh, maybe Adam Yan with another one. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll go San Jose <laughs> for the win. Um, in uh, in awesome MLS news uh, over the weekend, Robbie Rogers uh, made a return. He uh, he uh, trained with the LA Galaxy. He's actually we we talked about this last week. He was training. He wasn't on trial or anything with that. Or it wasn't like uh, he's a free agent and he's going to get signed by them because his rights are still owned by the Chicago Fire. And if Robbie does want to play, I mean the Fire have first 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 dibs first first choice. And uh, but for Robbie, you know he 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 would prefer to be in LA. He, I mean that's where he grew up. I mean that's where, you know he feels comfortable. He knows Bruce Arena. And, um, you know, it's, you kind of, I guess, personally, I would hope that the fire would, I guess, let him go or, or trade him to the Galaxy. But, I mean, they have first dibs. But, hey, still it's good that he came back, Ivis. Right. I mean, I, I think the fact that he came out now publicly and said that he doesn't want to play for the fire. I mean, I, I think everyone knew that already. But I, I don't know. I find it, I personally, I find it a little off-putting for him to, to come out publicly and, and say that and, and kind of, it's almost it's a little bit of a spoiled move, you know. I mean, I think it's it's one thing to to, to make that happen behind the scenes, uh, you know. It, it's going to get worked out, and I mean, and I know there's a lot of hand wringing, a lot of complaining about the rules and 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 about the fact that there's no free agency, and then the fact that teams own players' rights, and how that that in an ideal world that that should change. And I agree, it'd be better if if the rules were different. But the rules are what they are right now, and and I think with that being said, I think you kind of have to respect those rules. The fire have his rights; they made a trade and got his rights as part of that trade. And I don't think anyone should just say, "Oh, well, the fire should just you know move aside and let let this beautiful story of Robbie Rogers' return um, be what's important and, and take center stage." Listen, if you're the fire, you're 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 trying to win. You're trying to win games. You're trying to have build a good team. You can't be doing anyone favors here. They have his rights by the rule of the league. If if the Galaxy want them, then they should make a trade for him. And obviously, if you're MLS, you're going to make sure the Fire aren't being unrealistic about what they what they want in terms of a trade. 
But that being said, I mean, no one should expect them to just, you know, stand by and, and, and take peanuts for him, especially in the trade where, you know, they gave up Dominic Aduro. And and I know Dilly Duke is the guy they wanted in that deal, but it's still, you know, Robbie Rogers' rights are an asset. Under the rules of MLS, the fire have that asset, and they should be able to get competition for that, for that asset. And what what's the what's the trade going to be? You know, maybe maybe a second. You know, we talk about a second round pick in the draft, maybe something to that effect. But it's got to be something if you're the fire, uh, because if you're the fire, Robbie Rogers could definitely help your team, right? So I mean, if you're going to be forced to to give that up because because Robbie Rogers wants to you know play where he wants to play. Uh, then you need to get compensated for it, and I think I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I agree. I, I think that if the fire get a second round pick, I, I think that uh, that'd be that'd be good. All right, Davis, let's uh, let's put all these this these. I don't know why I said these. Let's uh, put this whole uh, MLS conversation on hold. It's time to get into the Americans abroad, and we're going to start it off with a uh, with a guest. We're going to head out to Sweden and welcome in Alejandro Bedoya. Alejandro, how are you doing today? Good, good. How are you? Hope everything's right. Thanks for having me. Yeah, everything, everything's going well. Congratulations on the uh, on the goal this weekend. It was a very nice finish. Oh, yeah, thank you. It's, uh, yeah, it was nice. I surprised myself a little bit with that left footed shot. But, uh... <laughs> wait, 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 wait. How did you surprise yourself? that You've now had three uh, left, uh, left-footed goals this season. I know, and it's funny. Everybody's teasing me about it. Like, uh, might as well be using my left foot more than my right. But uh, yeah, I can say it's probably the most goals I've scored in the season with my left foot any, anywhere. <laughs> so, Alejandro, tell me about this season. Uh, obviously, uh, you made the move there, um, and, and it seems like it's gone really well. What, what's been a key for for you just settling in and and, and doing so well? Yeah, I think um, I think the fact that you know when, when the whole situation at Rangers happened, I was looking for a good situation for myself to 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 get games and get my confidence back. And uh, you know, and knowing the the Swedish league pretty well by playing here before, um, and Helsingborg has always been a, a top club at least in the past ten years. And uh, I thought it could be a really good move, and it, it's been looking like it's happening really well. You know, playing the Europa League games gave me some good experience, and then. You know, in January came a time again where I could have gone somewhere else. But uh, for me, you know, it was about more uh, finding consistency again. And, and I need games. I need games and, and to be playing, you know, week in and week out. And I knew I could get that here. And, you know, the fact that I've settled in well here, you know, we've got some good players and, and good good uh, good uh, personnel outside the, the field as well and around the club. So it's been good for me. It's been a good fit. Now, when you uh, obviously with the the situation at Rangers uh, being the way it was, uh, how, how much did your, your previous experience in Sweden kind of make it, make you feel like that that was a good fit and it was it was the right right move for you to go there to, to go to Helsingborg? Right. Um, yeah, I felt like you know when when I was back at Orebro, my first time in Sweden. Um, I came into the team pretty pretty fast, and you know I was able to get a grasp of, of the league and you know the speed of play here and just how everything worked. So I knew coming back here, I, I was very comfortable with, with you know the league I had played against and with a bunch of the guys before anyway. So uh, you know, and by my time in the Rangers, I felt like I even though maybe I didn't play as much, you know, a lot of injuries, but I felt like I was a, a better player by going there, and I knew I could come back and um, and show that, and knew that I could you know. I could become one of the better uh, players in this league. And, you know, we have a good team here in Helsingborg too. So, you know, the, the players around me make me better as well. So it's good to, to, to be on this type of team. Talk a little about the, the the experience at Rangers. I mean, obviously when you went there, you know, the, the, you had a lot of high hopes. Um, and then it had you had the injuries that, you know, kind of kept you off the field. And I know for fans in the U.S. that weren't really up on, on what was going on with you, I think the the perception was that you just went there and you just weren't weren't good enough to play. Uh, when in fact it was you know injuries obviously played a key role. How tough was that for you just to kind of sit on the sidelines and kind of endure that, especially with everything going on there? Yeah, I mean it was very tough at the beginning. It, it was tough. I would get I would get some little nagging injuries every you know I would come uh, I would get an ankle injury and then I'd come back and you know a week or two later I would. Just when I'm trying to get back in, I would get a little knee injury and I had a calf injury as well. And then my ankle again. But, um, yeah, it's just that's football sometimes. And I think uh, it's something mentally strong. I think, uh, you know, when I started getting into the team late late into the season, um, obviously maybe it was a little bit too late, but I, I did show 
um, glimpses of what I was capable of. And, you know, at times I, I did play, uh, have some, some decent games and, and showings. But, uh, you know, it was tough, you know, with the whole situation. Nobody expected that was going to happen. And, you know, it took a, it took a lot of, uh, it took its toll on the mentality of a lot of players, I think. And um, it was tough, but I think it made me a better player, you know, mentally and everything. And to be able to see that, that, that there was a different style of play, you know, the whole the Scottish Premier League is. And, you know, um, I think it made me a better player, better person too, so. Now, this I was definitely curious about this one. Now, you know, Rangers had, had the financial uh, issues uh, and, and went bankrupt. If not for that, though, do you think? I mean, do you think you would have would have spent more time there? Do you think you would have stayed another year, or do you think you just needed kind of a change of scenery and that, that it, and it really wasn't about about their relegation? No, I think I think for sure, uh, if nothing would have happened, I think I would for sure have stayed there. And then this season, now I think uh, the coaching staff I think believed in me a lot, and um, you know, I, like I said, I was showing glimpses every time, and when I even when I didn't get a chance, you know, I would play reserve games and always do really well in them. And um, but like I said, towards the end of the season, I think the the, the last few games uh, I really started to come uh, into my uh, how do you say my comfort zone there, and the position that I was playing, I was kind of playing more of a which on forward type thing, you know, attacking center mid. And that was really, you know, uh, the, the position I think I could have done well there. But yeah, like you said, I think if without the financial stuff going on there, I think I would have definitely stayed, been there still. And uh, been yeah, a first team player. Now, now we have to talk national team. Obviously, you know, a lot of people are, have taken notice of, of the great year you're having and, and, and are wondering when, if and when that call is going to come for you. Um, how do you like your chances this summer of getting a call? And, and I mean, do you feel like you're you're playing well? I mean, do you feel like you're you're on form right now and ready to ready to get back in the mix? Um, yeah, I think I've scored like three left-footed goals, so I have to be in form. Right, something's going <laughs> right. <laughs> no, but um, yeah, of course. I mean, it's been good for, for like I said, for my confidence, being able to play week in and week out and everything. But um, I take everything as it comes. Um, uh, Clinton's done, I think, a good, fairly good job with, with the team, and I, think, I know he's keeping in touch with everybody and, and looking at what's going on all over the world because I have received texts from him uh, about uh, um, congratulations about the goals and stuff. So I know he's, uh, you know, that I'm on his mind, or at least he's looking at it every day. So, um, so that's a good thing. But for me, um, yeah, of course, uh, like I said, I've always wanted to be back on a national team and whether that's being a part of the qualifiers or at least for this summer's gold cup uh you know i'd love to be a part of that and but you know i don't know what he's got in mind you know obviously in terms of the qualifiers he wants to keep uh you know the rhythm and you know the, the same team kind of thing and you know the camaraderie together and everything so i'm not sure it's probably hard to break into that but if i get um if i get called then i'll be ready for it for for a player, you know, when you suit up for the first time for the for the international team, I mean, is it is it like a drug that you get for the first time and you get to experience the national anthem and you're wearing the jersey? I mean, for you, is it something where you get it once and and you can never have enough of it? Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, it's something maybe some other guys in other nations, you know, they might take for granted because they're always part of it. But for me, I'm not. Let's say I'm mainstay on the national team. So for me, every time I put that jersey on, you know, it's it's always like, oh, this is a dream come true type scenario because, you know, you always dream as a little kid playing for the for the national team. It's probably the highest one the highest honors you can get as a footballer. So for me every time I'm back on it, it's just uh, you know, a blessing for me and I always had to do obviously my best and, and just take advantage of the opportunity. Now, talking about the 2011 Gold Cup, you know, I thought I thought you really played well in that tournament. You got you got a chance to play quite a bit. Uh, how much did that tournament? How much confidence did that tournament give you in belief that that you can play at that level, and you and you can be a regular part of the national team? Yeah, it gave me a lot of confidence. Of course, I think uh, um, coming up to that tournament, I think I had uh, only a couple, um, yeah, a few caps and stuff, but um, that tournament really sealed my so sort of, I guess my my confidence, so to speak, at that level, or. I could handle any other pressure and, and just be able to play my, myself, my own game and just focus on the things that I could do instead of worrying so much about, I guess, we get caught up in trying to worry too much about not making mistakes. 
But in that tournament, I felt like uh, I didn't worry at all. Uh, you know, you make a mistake, it happens, and you move on with it. And I can just focus on playing my style and obviously what, what Bob wanted me to do in terms of being defensively and, and, you know, compact and everything. But offensively, I felt like I had a little bit more freedom with my role. So it was, um, you know, my movement off the ball and everything like that. Is my, I can work on my strengths more. So don't worry about my weaknesses. As far as positions go, I mean, I think you're one of the more versatile guys in the in the pool, uh, and and I feel like you know trying to peg a position down for you seems almost seems kind of tough. Where, where do you feel the most comfortable, uh, and where where have you been playing mostly for uh, for Helsingborg this year? Yeah, well, that's you know, I, uh, like I said last season over here, um, being versatile I think can be a good and bad thing in terms of you know a bad thing. With it, trying to get a new team is, you know, they might be looking for a certain position, and you might not play enough games in that position for to to get a spot on for that position on the team. But I think, you know, it's good for me to be so versatile. But I think oh, this season I started out playing attacking center mid in the four two three one, and I think, uh, you know, I, I think I did really, I would do really well there. But um, uh, uh, the coach decided to switch it up a little bit the past four. I think that last two games, three, four games, and we've been back to a 4-4-2. Well, I've been playing out wide left. And uh, yesterday, I was moved up to the striker. So, like I said, yeah, I'm pretty versatile. And my goal yesterday came off as playing as a striker. And uh, my other two goals have come off as playing as a left mid. So, um, to me, I feel probably more comfortable playing that withdrawn striker role, I would say, you know, in that 4 2 3 one where I can move off the ball and find spaces in between the midfield and the defenders and, and behind. But, um, yeah, like I said, I guess my versatility, uh, I'm happy to play wherever, really. So, uh, One thing I have to ask you about, because it's because it's uh, mandatory, since you know I'm a Jersey guy, you were born and raised <laughs> at your early days in Jersey. Uh, yeah. Most people know you as a Florida guy. Obviously, you're Florida you know, through and through, but... Talk to me about those early years in in New Jersey and 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 how that kind of helped develop your game there. Are you, I think you were, what, were you were eleven when you moved to to Florida. Yeah, yeah, I was about that age. So I was just yeah, at that age I was just coming along playing. Um, I mean, I don't know if you remember the the Clifton Stallions, right? And uh, I played for that team, and you know, got some good players on that team like uh, Giuseppe Rossi and Danny Satella. Um, yeah, a few. There's just a couple of the players that were on a team. So that was a team that was put well together, and we had a good coach. And that was when I would say I, I really started finding a passion for soccer, for football. And, um, yeah, uh, I started growing as a player. And I think uh, we all know how much uh, talent Jersey has uh, with, with soccer players and, and, and with their clubs and everything. So uh, I had a great experience there. Ivis talk, talks about the town all the time from Jersey. <laughs> it's mandatory. Yeah, I'm sure you can brag a little bit. We can go through a bunch of the players with the national team now that, and before that have uh, come through from Jersey. So, so now if there's a state of tournament of states, though, you'd, you'd play for Team Florida, right? I mean, that's... Yeah, and when I was younger, yeah, in ODP or whatever, I would yeah, right. for Florida State. But, but right now, though, like let's say there was... Like hypothetically, if there was a, a tournament where all the players played for their states, who would you play for? Play for Florida. Right? Put I you on the spot. Probably pick Florida. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would probably pick Florida. Just uh, they're a pretty good team now, though. They have a, you know Eddie Johnson, Dax McCarty, Zussi. It's got a pretty good squad. Yeah, not bad, not bad. And then you find all those other players, which I'm sure is in Jersey. The same thing happens in Jersey too. But I can <laughs> go through the whole South Florida and Miami area where all these kids with so much talent they just fall through the cracks. Obviously, you're, you 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 want to play for the U.S. this this summer. But you you are you have the Colombian roots. How, how much are you enjoying the Colombian national team success? Are, are you are you following it? I'm, not, I'm sure your family is, but how much do you follow that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. My, of course, my family is always following it, and um, yeah, I, I think I've tweeted a couple of times about it. I, I try to watch their games. I mean, Falcao is a great player, but um, they have so many good players all over the world right now, and in, in the best leagues, and it's it's fun to follow them. Obviously, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm big on my roots. I always used to go to Columbia every summer with my family uh, to vacation. So um, I'm always uh, looking out and see what they're what they're up to. And um, I'll never forget the time when uh, we had a friendly against Columbia, and in Philadelphia, I think it was. I was part of the squad. I didn't get to play against them, but 
the first thing my grandfather asked me to do was just uh, trade shirts with with one of the players. So I got him a the, the Yepes Mario Yepes jersey. Nice. So he was nice. happy about that. So so is that uh is that your kind of dream scenario that at some point there's another U.S. Columbia game and and you can play in? <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, yeah, of course. Who, you know. who would your family who would your family root for? Yeah, well that day it was uh, I think uh, my grandfather had on like a, a Colombian shirt underneath the USA jersey, so nice. I guess that kind of speaks volumes to how they would go. Obviously, they'd be rooting for their for me, but <laughs> can't they won't cry if Colombia was to win. <laughs> Well, they should. They, 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 you should get him one of those half jerseys where you could have it. You know, half U.S., half Colombia. That's what you should do. Yeah, I was actually thinking about that. I should. I think I've seen it somewhere before in college football, at least, with one right. of those half uh, half jerseys. Well, uh, Alejandro, thank you uh, so much for joining us today, man. We really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. I appreciate having yeah. me on the show. Yeah. Good luck. Good luck the rest of the way, and uh, hopefully we'll see you uh, see you here in the Gold Cup in a couple months. Yeah. Thank you. Hopefully, be be nice to be on the team. Hey, uh, everyone can follow you on Twitter at A L E Bedoya seventeen. And uh, yep, that's correct. <laughs> well, Alejandro, uh, have a good rest of the day and uh, good luck going forward. And uh, we'll, we'll talk later. All right, thank you, thank yeah. you guys. Take care. Have a good one. Uh, good stuff right there from Bedoya. Uh, I say uh, you and I always talk about just uh, you know how much we we both uh, enjoy watching and play on the pitch. And uh, I mean, hopefully, he could be a guy that gets that call up this summer for for the Gold Cup or, or maybe even for. The uh, U.S. Men's National Team that will be in World, Co- World Cup qualifying. Right. I mean, I think he, he is definitely someone who I think can help. Uh, I do find it interesting that some people uh, are kind of down on the idea of him getting called up, uh, whether they don't think he can contribute. I mean, I, I still think in the Gold Cup in 2011, I thought he did really well. I thought he did well for, with, with the with the minutes he was given, and, and you know he provided a lot of energy on the wing. And now if you've seen him play in Sweden, he's really, he's really shown a goal-scoring touch. Obviously, he scored a goal. Uh, on Sunday, a, a pretty beautiful left-footed goal uh, for him. So, you know, he's on really good form. And, I, you know, I think for me, when you project out the squad that will probably be there for the Gold Cup, I think Bedoy's going to be a starter. And I think it could be it could be a, a breakout tournament for him. You know, I, I had a chance to – I went back and watched all of his goals. And uh, the two of them, he did a fantastic job staying on the line. And the other one, he dribbled uh, into space on top of the 18 and, and put it in with his left uh, to the opposite post. And, and the one thing that I've been most impressed with has been just when he's in front of the net, he just he, he one-times the shot. He doesn't he doesn't try to do anything fancy. He gets the ball and shoots. And, and that's something that maybe – the U.S. men's national team could use as a player who who, who is going to be that assertive in front and, and is going to take that chance and not try to dribble around someone or wait for the most perfect opportunity, but but take what they have and make the best of it. Right. I think it will, I think what people need to realize is for those who aren't that familiar with his game, I think some people are under the impression that he's like a pure winger. Uh, he really isn't. He he really is more of a playmaker slash second striker. He's someone who can play in that kind of role. He he's played predominantly on the wing for the national team and the opportunities that he's had, and he can play there. He can pretty much play anywhere uh, across the, the, the attack when you're talking about the midfield. He can play either either wing. He can also play centrally. Um, so I, I'm not sure where uh, Klinsman sees him or where he, he sees him best, but you know I think if he's shown anything this year in Sweden is that he does have that goal scoring ability that you know you'd like to see in midfield. Uh, you know when you think about the midfield midfielders who are in the mix right now for the U.S. Uh, I don't know if, if there is that kind of true midfield scoring threat uh, that you'd like to see. I mean, obviously Clint Dempsey, wherever you put him, he can score goals. But I mean, other than him, I don't know if anyone else has shown that. So I, I, I think wh- wherever he does play, I think he will play a key role in the Gold Cup. Well, uh, speaking of Klim Dempsey, uh, he and Tottenham defeated Sunderland this past weekend, uh, one to zero. Uh, Gareth Bale with the goal right there. And uh, however, though Tottenham's on the outside looking in still on the Champions League, they got the Europa spot uh, locked up at this point because uh, Everton at, at this point doesn't look like they're going to be able to really challenge it uh, after the draw this past weekend. But um, Tottenham still has a chance, and uh, on Wednesday, it's amazing how it works out. Like it, they're playing Chelsea on Wednesday, and whoever wins that game is probably going to get that spot. That's uh, Wednesday's uh, you're, when you talk about a like a, <laughs> a big game, yeah. like a game you have to want, you have to watch. Uh, I mean, London rivals playing for you know for a, 
not only pride, but a lot of money when you're talking about the Champions League. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Tottenham needs it. Um, Chelsea, I wouldn't say Chelsea. It's it's. I wouldn't say it's do or die for them. I mean, if they get a draw, I think that that would you know help them keep them ahead of of Tottenham. But you know, you want all three. You want to end up third um, in in the in the standings. And, and if you're Arsenal, you're you're glad you got that the, that win against QPR, but you're gonna have to sit there, you know, biting your nails at, at that Tottenham game because if uh, Tottenham Chelsea, because if Tottenham beats Chelsea, I mean that that that's I, I mean I, you kind of think that's the worst case scenario for Arsenal, um, but it's just a great race, and even though the title race is over, I mean I think this is, is just I don't know if it's just as exciting, but it's pretty pretty damn exciting when, when you when you think about all those three, three teams going down to the wire. Well, right now, uh, Chelsea's in third with 68 points. Arsenal is in fourth with uh, 67, and Tottenham's fifth with uh, 65 right there. And, Chelsea, and, Ar- and Arsenal's the game up. So once Chelsea and Tottenham play on Wednesday, then all three of those teams will be equal on, on games. Uh, Aston Villa... Big victory for them this weekend. They now have 40 points. They're in 13th place. They they uh, they look clear of the uh, of the relegation zone. I mean, anything could happen, um, but they look clear of it now. And uh, they they also have two big games coming up, and they're not easy games. They got to take on Chelsea, and then they got to take on Wigan. And in that final game, Wigan is probably going to be fighting for their lives in that final game. Right. I think I think right now. I mean, obviously, you don't want to jinx them. And say anything's a done deal, but as it stands, I mean, they are in really good shape. They're actually in 13th place right now, which when you think about the fact that they were in the relegation zone just a few weeks ago, uh, for them to make that climb, I mean, it's huge because it definitely takes some pressure off of that last game for them. Uh, you know, they, it had looked like it could be a winner-take-all situation, but right now if you're Villa, you know, you, you can pretty much take a point from that game and be through. Um, and who knows, you know, if, if Wigan doesn't win out uh you know Wigan has that extra game but if Wigan stumbles um it's going to be that much tougher for them to catch to catch Villa I, I think right now Villa's sitting real pretty and I think I think there's there are other teams uh w- with that that look a lot shakier for that for that uh for that relegation spot I, I still think Wigan will find a way to uh to somehow stay um Michael Bradley and Roma also had a uh, had a very big weekend. They are now in fifth place in CRA. CRA, excuse me. Uh, they would qualify for Europa spot. They they're seven points behind a Champions League spot, and that in the first in the team that's there in and uh, for that third place because in, in the Italian league only three teams go versus England where there's four um, is Milan. And unless Milan has like some nuclear meltdown there's no way Roma's going to catch them but but like I said Roma plays AC Milan uh for the second in the uh, in the three games left and uh I mean anything could happen could it happen probably not but you never know well I think they, they you have to give them credit I mean they, they they're finishing strong Michael Bradley has gotten himself back in there he's playing well and, and setting himself up for a a starting role in in that Coppa Italia final. Uh, I, I mean, I know they're not looking ahead to that at this point, but you still like to see the fact that you know, even though even with the coaching change that they did have there, that Bradley was once again able to prove his worth and prove that he deserves to be on the field, even with all the talent they have on that roster. Um, so, if you're a U.S. fan, you have to feel pretty good about that. If they can if they can run the table, win out, and do something crazy, and get in a you know get into a better competition, then that that's just added. That's just gravy. That's just a bonus. So uh, great, great times for Bradley. He's really shown well. And you, you have to be excited for what he's going to do this summer when you talk about World Cup qualifying and playing in those key games. I mean, he's been on form. And, uh, you know, you have to you have to like you have to like his chances uh, of really being a star this summer for the U.S. Uh, Jermaine Jones and Schalke are in fourth place uh, in the Champions League. They're seven points behind third place and they are three points clear of fifth uh, they have um, some not the, not the easiest games coming up, but but winnable games, and uh, I mean they should be able to qualify for the Champions League again. I think they'll be there. I think they're they're a good enough team to to hold on to that spot. And um, it, it, on some levels, it's kind of been a disappointing season for them. You know, you would like to have seen them build on last year's success. Uh, I thought they did well in Champions League, but you know they'll be back. To, and you're curious to see what how their rosters is made up for next year because I think they're going to see some players move on. Obviously. Um, you know, losing a guy like Holpe wasn't easy for them, but they, they keep they keep uh, putting up the results in uh, the Bundesliga with, with this uh, Dortmund Bayern uh, dominance. It's going to be tough to. I don't know if anyone's going to catch Bayern anytime soon. Uh, or, but next year could be interesting with Dortmund uh, losing so many key players. You want to see how they rebound. 
And uh, in, in, in not so good news, uh, Bolton, they, this like back to back years, they, 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 everything falls apart in the final game for them. They're out of the playoffs in the championship for, uh, to get that, that third spot, uh, to be promoted to the Premier League. And um, they just t- really tough break for them. Uh, I think you jinxed them. I think you uh, you were a little you were feeling what? too good. What last is up year. with last you? Show, listen, the you, last show you talked them up a little too much. And what I are you think talking about? What, oh my gosh! You're, I need to start writing down. <laughs> I don't think I don't think you, you remember. Are, you are killing me. You said. I, you mean, I told you to slow down. Show. I said, "Hey, man, they haven't clinched anything yet." But, I, what yeah. are you talking about? I, I think I said something along the lines it would be really good to see Stuart hold back in the Premier League if they could win. I think I think I said something like that. <laughs> You're already plotting out their Premier League schedule. Let's put it that way. Maybe. Um, <laughs> well, Ivis, uh, that wraps up the, uh, the show today. Um, any, anything else that we missed? Uh, any big news? I, we, we did, I think we covered it all. Uh, nothing off the top, off the top. But uh, I mean, it's good to get back in the mix with the guest, and uh, you know, you, you like seeing Bedoya have his success. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I, one of the just real quick, uh, Steve Chirundolo did not play this weekend, so he did not break the Hanover record for for appearances. A uh, little curious uh, situation there. He he was in uniform. Uh, I'm not sure what's going on there, but uh, that's something to keep an eye on because obviously he's someone that you expect the U.S. to to have in the starting lineup when qualifying comes around. And you know you'd like to see him finish strong. Uh, and and I don't know what's going on. I don't know if they, you know if 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 he's hurt or if there's something going on with you know maybe his contract not being extended. But I'd say let's keep an eye on that because he, he's I think he's going to be an important player. Uh, for the U.S. this summer, mm, um, it, yeah, he uh, having that depth and having a veteran guy. When we talk about you know how tough the uh, Concacaf qualifying is. It's important. Absolutely. All right, Ivis. Well, that wraps up the show today. We want to obviously thank Alejandro Bedoya for joining us today. I want to thank myself for joining the show. I've never done that before, so I thought it was appropriate. And uh, Ivis, you have a you have a good week. Enjoy the midweek games. You too, man. Good luck. Uh, good luck recovering for the weekend and. Uh, Hopefully we'll uh, have our energy for the next show. What are you talking about? There was good energy today. Uh, I, don't, I feel like we're in a slump, man. I feel like we need a we need a rally. I think the next show. I think we're gonna have the breakout show. What are you episode about? thirty. This is episode thirty-one, by the way, which is crazy to think about. But uh, I think episode thirty-two. I think we're gonna have a. I think it's gonna be the blockbuster episode. I know. I've lasted thirty more shows that I that I I that I thought I would have. Oh yeah, no, for sure. I thought I thought I thought you would have got dumped by now. <laughs> I guess the network just loves me, right? Yes, SB, the SBI uh, network. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The big can't wigs. live can't live without you. Oh yeah, the big wigs up top. Uh, I think Franco Benizo. He's he's what head of the board, right? <laughs> he is way low on the depth chart <laughs> right now. <laughs> well, Ivis, um, you have a great week, everyone. Uh, enjoy enjoy your week. Enjoy the midweek games. As always, I appreciate excellent reviews on iTunes. Thank you for listening. This is the SBI Show.